This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Monday, February 24th of 2020, it's episode 172. In this episode, Neutral Good, part four of our ongoing alignment series, plus alternate history creative outlets, the role of the planes in alignment, Spider-Man, medical oaths and guidelines, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. Uh, I'm back. We've got our regular hosting staff back. We've yeah. got Jenny and Grant. Although, I have to say, man, you guys missed a really good episode. I know. I know. And kind of a good one, actually, for this topic as well. Like, it actually bled very nicely into this episode. Which yeah, it dovetails beautifully. It does. Yeah. So, yeah, big thanks to Ashley and Derek for joining us last episode. I apologize for being sick in multiple ways. It was not a good day for me <laughs> coming it, off a week yeah. of illness and then had... All sorts of other issues going on. It was great. It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. You had doom, and I think you had bureaucracy, if I remember, Jenny. So I had doom bureaucracy, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Doom bureaucracy. It's That's... not fun <laughs> when your boss quits, gives a full month and a bit of notice, and because the library board drags their heels, they don't get anybody hired before the town is like, hey, you aren't allowed to hire anybody for another three months because cuts are a-coming. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, boy. That kind of reminds me in some ways of way back in like 2010, a couple of years before we started this podcast, I left my job with Barnes & Noble for a month to go work for a friend at the time who was starting a business. There's a whole story there. It's not pretty, but I came back a month later and I gave five weeks of notice and they didn't even start looking for a replacement or you know, give me anybody to train or anything until after I'd left. They didn't find anybody and I was able to just come back into my old job. So nice. nice. I don't know if you're hoping that this will happen with your old boss, but. <laughs> so it's actually sort of kind of better timing because the time that he left, like, I'm hoping we're going to get some people basically fresh out of library school this way, because otherwise, like, like. The time frame is the hiring process, I believe, can begin in May, just after everybody's graduated from their MLS. Mm, okay, yeah. So, so yeah. everybody's going to be looking for positions. Yeah. If the position still exists. Well. Because, like, the implications were bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a, I got a little whiff of some of that, and, ooh, I'm sorry. I have some I have some things to say about that the attitudes that you told us about on display there but not on this podcast. Yeah. Let's get into a quick recap of gaming. Peter, I know your game's been on hiatus for a little bit. Yeah, we've we've taken just a couple of weeks stuff. off. We just had some actually some pleasant life scheduling stuff for the most part. Like people had cool stuff that they wanted to do that, you know, wasn't regular. And then I also just kind of needed a week of break because I'd had a couple of weeks that were kind of bonkers for me, too. Mm -hmm. So we should be getting back to it the weekend after we record this, which I'm looking forward to. We're going to be doing a time skip and I'm going to be doing some more careful time management. So hopefully I'll have some news about that. The, the thing is, like, I've been winging a little bit too much and not keeping enough records and when your characters are first of all traveling around a large geographic area in a ship and second of all doing geopolitical stuff time records get to be important as it mm -hmm. turns out so you don't want to just hand wave that stuff 
To quote Gary Gygax, you cannot have a meaningful campaign if strict time records are not kept. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to quite go to the Gygaxian extent with this, but... Uh, but it's right yeah, there it's, on it's, page 37 of the DMG, you know, the original <laughs> one. It's, come on. I Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> The code is more like what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> Although I've actually been trying to track time somewhat closely in my game because somebody got turned into a werebore. Yep. <laughs> not naming names because they're not on this podcast. But I know when the moon phases are and nobody else has bothered to check. So I mean, that we the characters do not know that... N- no, no, you don't. And it's going to be it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. That particular character also recently joined my Sunday game. So she's been fun in that. So yeah, yeah. That is one of the crazy. OK, I have seen some crazy PCs there. She is an animated purple tiefling statue with nothing but memories of her former life's dreams, who's also a paladin. I defy anyone, including my players who I should note the group includes a swarm of crickets <laughs> to come up with something more unique than that. I can see it being equaled. The cricket swarm, it would be equal, but oh boy. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. 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 I was actually just talking with her last night. She's very excited about the game picking back up. That's good. And speaking of last night, we had some scheduling difficulties, so we we're still sort of in the process of transitioning over the group that was Vampire. We've kind of decided to put Vampire on the back burner or just kill that off because I just could not run that for the life of me. What was, okay, so what was the snag there? Because you've complained about not being able to run the it before. The problem is the structure of Vampire the Masquerade. Namely... Like the, the system or... Not the system, but the setting and the motivations. Because the motivations are of your characters are be gothy and... I guess mess, mess with other people's with people? stuff. Yeah. Like there is no built-in motivation to the setting. That's the fundamental problem. You make characters and they all swan about and that's it. You have to work really hard to have external motivation and you do need some external motivation. P- characters can have internal motivations and that's great, but you got to have stuff happening and I could not make that happen. So what we are instead doing is switching to Monster of the Week. And this is why Underworld did Vampire the Masquerade better than Vampire the Masquerade didn't Vampire the Masquerade. This is also why Mage and Werewolf are better games than Vampire. I I agree. Now, is Vampire extremely... Does it have just this incredible sensibility to it? Yeah, it does. And Oh, it's aesthetics for days. Absolutely. But there's not a lot of built-in plot and motivation unless you want to have i say that my characters absolutely did not want to fight amongst them or my players did not want to have their characters fighting amongst themselves which is like taking 59 percent of your vampire motivation away right from the (laughs) get-go yeah so (laughs) no bickering among the party that's 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 a mage game (laughs) yes and they should have been playing mage frankly uh, I think they would have been happier, but Vampire I'm, is fun I'm and sexy. I'm glad they and, weren't paying, yeah. playing Mage because I would have been 
pleading to join that game. I've wanted to play Mage forever. Oh, it's, it's, so. it's fun. But anyway, so we are switching to Monster of the Week, but we've had some issues. Just, you know, people have life stuff happen. That's the thing with gaming with adults. Like, the quality is fantastic, but the scheduling is a nightmare. Yeah, and that happens. You know, I got one person who's working a second job and was applying actually for a library management position. <laughs> Jenny, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So it happens. Our Saturday D&D game, the Princess of the Apocalypse game, I feel is going well. I'm oh, having yeah. fun still. We're going to be going on an aerial manticore hunt next week. That's going to be awesome. Not quite what you guys expected. No, no. not even sort of what we expected. <laughs> I thought this was going to be Dungeon Crawl Part 2, and it's turned into this big social thing and then, like, aerial adventure, and it's like, huh, okay. I also th <laughs> I also thought we were going to Womford, but the rest of the party had other ideas and didn't bother to say so in the Discord when I asked. It's fine. I prepared for both. <laughs> it's it's fine. Yeah. I knew what Jenny wanted. Croucher is single-minded in her goals. Yeah, and interestingly, Croucher is kind of becoming the leader of the party because she's so implacable. Yeah, Croucher just does what Croucher wants. <laughs> it's pretty great. Like, and then please. pouts when she doesn't get her way. So Croucher is what, chaotic neutral? Or? Please continue to have a character with motivation and a willingness to go places. <laughs> I beg of you. <laughs> I mean, Croucher, I honestly would peg Croucher as neutral good. I really okay. would. <laughs> yeah, I would too. She I should is... clarify real quick. We're talking about the neutral good alignment tonight. We are. Yeah, I will gladly yeah. get into why I think Croucher is neutral good when we get into the episode, because I think it actually fits her really, really well. I okay. originally Let's had Sigvard as neutral good, too, and I think he's going more chaotic good, actually, which is going to yeah. be interesting. He's going very chaotic good, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's definitely uh, going to be uh, burning down law enforcement offices at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he got along with that constable just fine. Yes. That yes, one the one who, constable. The one at the start <laughs> of the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> you guys are having fun with it, and I'm having fun... I think this may actually be the first chaotic character I have ever played. I would believe ever. it. Ever. Yeah. I am 41 years old. Ever. Oh, <laughs> there we are. All right, real quick, before we get too distracted on that, we do have stuff to get into. So, Patreon backers on Discord, we need to remind you of something. One of the awards that you get for supporting us on Patreon is Colored User IDs is a thank you for your generosity in our Discord channel. Yeah, if you're at the fighter level, you get one color. If you're at the cleric, you, you get, get another, another. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Yeah, either message me on the Discord. I'm Time Spike on there. I go by Time Spike most places where somebody else hasn't grabbed it first on the internet. Or just do at hosts. Or you can also message us through Patreon, but it seems like Grant gets those notifications way before I do, so... Well, I have the, the account set up on my phone, that's why. That would explain it then. <laughs> Ping us. We'll, yeah, we'll take care of that. There, there's a few of you that I know for sure are backing us, but I haven't gotten your permission to change your user ID over to a colored one yet, and I'm not going to do this without your consent, so... Don't just, you know, be like, oh, they'll get around to it eventually. No, you have to tell me. I am not going to do it unless you tell me. So <laughs> I'm I'm kind of serious about people being able to maintain their privacy if they want to. And this divulges some small amount of information. Speaking of Patreon, let's roll for our Patreon question, shall we? Sure. Okay. Oh, interesting. 
This is from Paige Low. In an alternate reality where you found something else instead of RPGs, what is your creative outlet? I already have about a billion. I, so yeah, I'd know if I can just do like an instead of. I can I can answer this one. I'd still be writing, probably doing comic book stuff uh, because I was into that before I was into RPGs. I was very much into comics back in high school. And then RPGs came along and I was like, this is better in every way as far as my own personality is concerned. I'm going to focus on this more, even though I still like and appreciate comics. It's just the guy who's, you know, been on a seven and a half year tabletop RPG podcast likes RPGs more than comics. Go figure. For me, I think it'd probably be online role playing, not not with a game, but like, you know, forums or muds or something like that. Gotcha. I don't know. LARP kind of blurs the line sometimes. I might have found my way into LARPing. If we take all specifically role-playing stuff away, what's left? Yeah, I think probably MUDs online role-play where there's like no – where there's no game at all. Right. No, but I mean like take all of that embody a character stuff away. Oh. Like even even improv. Like what do you do if, if, if none of that's on the table? Drink. I know you do some <laughs> – I know you do some visual art. Uh, yeah, yeah. I might have done a little that, – that was more just a hobby. I don't know. I dabble with a lot of stuff. Ah, oh, God, I don't know. Um, it might be writing. I've tried to write, and maybe if I didn't have games as an outlet for storytelling, I might have actually learned how to write. That might have been it. I, I think you know how to write decently well, having seen some of your writing. What you lack is the confidence to actually do stuff with it. It's not confidence. It's the ability to focus and like carry through with good writing habits. But without the uh, role playing to kind of be that outlet for that, I might have actually sat down and developed those habits, which I don't enough. entirely regret not having those because I have plenty of other demands on my time and I'm chaotic enough as it is. Having a scheduled thing where I have a group to hold me accountable to show up and role play and tell stories turns out to work really well for me. I, I think the other thing too. I'm really, I know Paige didn't actually ask this, but I know Paige and she's going to appreciate the little more in-depth answer, or at least I'm pretty sure she will. I think the thing that really makes me grateful about having found RPGs as opposed to just sticking with like the comics or something is because it is social like you were getting at, it's healthy in ways that just pure solo creativity is not. Yeah. I, I think that's that's something that I have become more aware of, not just from doing this podcast, but just over time in my life, kind of observing how I am on a weekend after I've gotten to game and stuff like that. And it's just, I, I'm grateful to the hobby for existing, if yeah. that makes any sense. I think I'm having a little more difficulty with this one because it would necessitate my parents not having found RPGs. Yeah, because they got you into it at four, right? And so I'm having to go back to what would my parents have forced me into at a very young age. <laughs> Which is historical costuming, which I am starting to come back to in the form of Japanese street fashion. Um, I sort of fell away from the SCA for a fair while, partly because of, of school and stuff, but also partly because it didn't scratch the historical creative itch that I wanted, which is late Victorian, early Edwardian stuff. And gothic lolita fashion falls right into that <laughs> so that's currently what i think i might have just naturally 
fallen into. Like also thinking about like my middle school heyday, that was also when I was starting to draw my own designs for modernized Victorian and Ed- and and Edwardian clothing. So I think I would have thrown myself into that pretty hard. So Grant, I never know what Jenny's going to answer for one of these questions, but I can usually be confident that the answer is going to be cooler than ours and she did it again. <laughs> yeah, that happens. You, you just get used to it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Another day ending in Y. Okay. Pretty much. Should we do our scripture and Probably move on should. Here? Thanks, Paige. We appreciate the question. I should also clarify, the designs I made in middle school were hot garbage. I'm like, I'm not, I could have been a great fashion designer. Everything everybody did in middle school was hot garbage. Everybody Don't worry about it. Everybody their worst self in middle school. That is yeah. just understood and everybody accepts this. I yeah. still think that coats with tails on them are highly underrated. The the classic tails look like you see in con- like conductors and orchestras, classy as heck. I feel like it should be incorporated into everyday life. That's what I got married in. Tails are fantastic. Yeah, uh, a proper morning suit. So, cravat and all. It was great. Nice. Nice. (laughs) So, Paige, thank you for the question. We really appreciate it. And if you want to get your own questions in, all you have to do is support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash saving the game. And as a reminder to our Patreon uh, supporters, if you don't have a question in, you can go ahead and send those. You can send them in in bulk. We'll just break them up and put them in so you don't have to keep coming up with one every time your questions come up. You can just Send us a batch and we'll load them up and queue them up for you. Don't worry. Yeah, about some it. folks have like three or four in there. It's yeah, fine. We've had so. people send in eight at once. It's not a problem. Yeah. Feel free. They don't have to be about role playing games or faith. They can be about hot dogs. It's yeah, fine. You can make us argue about chili when you ask us a hot dog question. Ask like us cheese questions next. Or... Ask us cheese questions next. <laughs> oh, I'll be sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> mine will just be I miss cheese. all right let's do our scripture shall we this is leviticus chapter 9 verses 17 and 18 you shall not hate your brother in your heart but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord this is isaiah 1 verses 16 through 18 wash and make yourselves clean Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So we are talking tonight about the neutral good alignment. That's right. Our alignment series is back and we're going down the line of neutral alignments right down the middle. So this is going to be fun. 
Yeah, this is my current personal favorite. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, and then the next one is garbage, and I'm excited about that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neutral is going to be a train wreck, and I am here for it. Oh, yeah. Before we get into that, let's talk about our common baseline since it's been a couple episodes, and maybe this, and again, every episode is somebody's first one, potentially. I don't know. Like, some of the time, it's somebody's first one. I've seen our numbers. <laughs> the common baselines for this series. When we're talking about these, we're talking about them in very objective terms. Self-perception doesn't matter. If somebody thinks they're doing good, but they're doing horrible evil, we're going to call them out as doing horrible evil and call them some version of evil. Something like that, right? Lawful in this context, we're trying to expand it beyond that lawful term. We, we're talking about it in terms of being orderly or disciplined or structured as well as law-abiding. Right. Um, chaotic does not mean random or, you know, just nonsensical. It means individualistic or unstructured, anti-hierarchical, uh, sometimes anti-authoritarian. Though, of course, sometimes if somebody is, you know, random, they may also be chaotic. That's fine. We're, yeah. we're taking a very broad and inclusive bent on all of these, actually. Furthermore, you can have like leader types that are chaotic. It's just not as common as lawful. And one of the things that we do is kind of compare like the second edition AD&D definitions of these alignments and the fifth edition D&D takes on these alignments because fifth edition is the most recent edition and uh, second edition AD&D is the worst. Is where everything went off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> I, I genuinely believe these have serious problems and have tainted a lot of people's opinions of what these alignments are. You're not wrong. <laughs> the one for today is not terrible. It's got some problems. The, the chaotic column is where it's really going to go. Well, actually, next week will be bad, and then the whole chaotic column is just going to be... Right, because of some fundamental, I think, problems with how they've defined things, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There, there's some structural issues. It's not specific to any one alignment. All right, we've buried the lead long enough, yeah. <laughs> so here it is. These characters believe that a balance of forces is important, but that the concerns of law and chaos do not moderate the need for good. So far, so good. Yep. Since the universe is vast and contains many creatures striving for different goals, a determined pursuit of good will not upset the balance. It may even maintain it. If fostering good means supporting organized society, then that is what must be done. If good can only come about through the overthrow of existing order, so be it. Social structure itself has no innate value to them. A baron who violates the orders of his king to destroy something he sees as evil is an example of a neutral good character. That's not bad. Yeah. It seems like a little, like the whole planar thing seems like a little bit of a needlessly grand perspective for every neutral good character, though. Well, yeah, but remember, this yeah. is like when they really started doing the whole planes thing and... This was the addition of Planescape and, you know, and the Forgotten that Realms. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like Spelljammer and stuff oh, like that, the, 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 you know... <laughs> travel over the grand span of the multiverse. You thing. cannot see my stupid Spelljammer grin. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. We can imagine it, Grant. We yeah. can imagine it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree. It is AD&D verbose. Yeah. yeah. No question about that. I'm also going to put this out there. I think it's going to lend itself really, really easy to an inconsistency in character choices. Like, today I am feeling lawful, and tomorrow I will feel chaotic, and thus there will be balance between the two. I'm like, Yes, no. we're, we're going <laughs> to see that a ton when we talk about neutral 
oh, like yeah. true neutral. But there's a hint of that here where it's not I'm focused on good. Well, OK, the the first sentence and I think the second to last sentence do try and say it doesn't really matter. Like law and chaos don't matter. What's important is the pursuit of good. I think that's what it's trying to say. Yeah, but it says it by saying the opposite. <laughs> what I think yeah. it actually ends up saying is you're going to wobble back and forth trying to do the right, you know, and like, well, too far this way. Got to push against it the other way in a pursuit of good. Tacking across the median over and over, you know, tacking across the wind trying to get to where you're going. That's just, yeah, that's a problem. One of the reasons that's a problem is very little of this definition of neutral good, you know, hey, good above all, is actually about good. There's no real discussion of good. It frames the entire thing as a discussion of law and chaos. Yeah. With that in mind, let's get the needlessly reductionist fifth edition <sighs> definition out of the way. Yeah. Okay. I actually I actually kind of hate this one and I'll I'll tell you why. Yeah. Neutral good folk do the best they can to help others according to their needs. Many celestials, some cloud giants and most gnomes are neutral good. Okay, first of all, I hate the racial alignment thing. Mm -hmm. We have beat this drum to death, but that, that I don't like that, but it's like, that's all we get. There's nothing about what good is, what it looks like. And and I understand that a discussion of what is good is potentially outside the scope of a one to two sentence alignment description. Mm -hmm. You kind of yeah. have to just trust that people understand good as an abstract concept. Okay. Yeah. And, the, and they the, aggressively the racial... don't on the internet, which bugs me. <laughs> uh, yes, I know. But then also, you know... The whole racial alignment thing, I understand they're trying to just give a little bit of an example of things that fall into this category. I don't mind the Celestials. I do mind the Giants and the Gnomes. Yes, I know. Again, it's the whole racial alignment thing. But, like, yeah. I understand why they're doing it, but it points to a fundamental structural problem. Having said that, I agree that what what is neutral good, the pursuit of good above all? That's helping others according to what they need. That's literally that's just sauce. That's just yeah. good. It's just good. You're you're just so do lawful good characters and so do chaotic good characters. Right. It's, yeah. it's about how they do it. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. What, and what is important. We've spent some time talking about why they're wrong. Let's talk about what we think is right. I want to start with this. We haven't really talked about this in the past, but I kind of hate the fact that the alignment chart, the three by three grid, makes a square. It needs to be an octagon. Okay. The way I see it, like lawful good and, and lawful and like chaotic good and lawful evil and chaotic evil, those corner alignments, as it were, are trying to kind of weight both of those things equally, right? They value good and order. They value evil and you, kind of the, the freedom to do that evil. And they value those about equally. Maybe, you know, one person will have more of one than the other. That's fine. But they're kind of pulled down a little bit, as it were, towards the middle, because they're trying to balance both of these things. Whereas getting further away from that neutral center, for me, that neutral good is 
good above all. They do it as a circle in Pathfinder Kingmaker, which I thought was a nice piece of visual design. That's exactly what I want, right? That idea of, in this case, I'm only focused on being good. It's an un... like, the neutral good alignment, and it's evil opposite, this is a focus on morality in an undistracted sense. It's not that it doesn't consider order or chaos, but it doesn't give those things equal weight to the pursuit of good. Yeah, it basically considers them to be lesser concepts and just like, eh, you know, eh, that's kind of neat. I don't know about lesser concepts necessarily. It's not putting weight towards one or the other. I think in some cases they may treat a society, like how do we, you know, arrange society, this order versus chaos thing as like an exercise for the reader practical details of implementation, whatever, right? There there can certainly be the neutral good philosopher who's so focused on these high ideals that they completely lose track of actual implementation. But a lot of the time, they aren't like that. Like, a lot of neutral good characters are incredibly grounded. Like, Spider-Man is the obvious example. And one of the things that I really like about Spider-Man as an example is it's virtually every version of them. Unlike Batman, who's got, you know, like all over the alignment chart, depending on who's writing him, people seem to agree on Spider-Man. Yeah, everything from Batman 66 to Frank Miller. It's like everybody seems to agree. Spider-Man, even when it's not Peter Parker, like Miles Morales Spider-Man, Spider-Gwen, like there's, there's something about that spider mutation in the MCU that just brings out the, the decency and caring and whoever gets it and it's 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 a it's cool you saw a lot of this in uh into the spider-verse actually where you've got like these multiple different takes on spider-man next to each other and yet i would classify all of them as neutral good maybe spider-ham is chaotic good but the rest of them that may just be a presentation thing because it's the comedy character but yeah that's why i sort of think of croucher as neutral good she looks chaotic some of the stuff that comes out of her mouth is, like, prime chaos material. But what she actually does is pursue good and pursue good now. Mm -hmm. She is very much about the here and now. Yes. <laughs> she is reckless, too. Yes. Jenny, like, I'm 100% with Jenny on this, because that's one of the, th the other notes I had, too, is somebody who lives in the moment and just is like, no. Here's the thing I have to deal with right now. I'm doing the best I can right now. That's all I care about. I'm not thinking in terms of high grand ideals, although I may have those. That doesn't change the fact that right now I'm dealing with this person in this situation. Yeah. What can I do right now immediately to help somebody else feel and be better? That is very much where Croucher's focus is, and I think that's what puts her and Spider-Ham in the, in the neutral good category. She is very practical. Okay, I want to call back to way back into our um, Virtues and Vices series, Back to Humility. We were talking about, uh, there was this great quote from C.S. Lewis where it's like, a really humble man will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. And I feel like that's very much kind of the neutral good attitude. They're compassionate, they're empathetic, they're generous, they're selfless, you know, they're merciful and kind. And they just kind of are, because that's the right thing to do. And that's what they, you know, they want to do the right thing. And so they do. Yes. And Uncle Iroh is the one, the one who comes to mind for me on this. 
Yeah, yeah. Iroh is very neutral yeah, good, too. very much so. I think of it as sort of like overall the charity archetype. Helping the immediate problem right here, right now. That is what I think of as charity. But without necessarily the these like bureaucratic sense that sometimes comes with modern charities. It's no, we're just doing good. These are the red tape cutters, right? You know, these are people who will be like, eh, we can go around that. Oh, you know, easier to get forgiveness than permission. They're not going to tear the system down. I'm pretty confident that when that when people see what I actually did by going around this regulation, they're going to be hard pressed to hold it against me. And a lot of the time they're correct. People mutter and grumble and stuff, but they're like, well, you fed a bunch of people and saved somebody's life. I guess I can't really, you know, (laughs) to to add on to that. It's sort of the I can fix this system from the inside kind of thing, whereas a lawful good person might say we must fortify this system. The neutral good person might be like tweak the system, but trust the system, tweak the system. This is every decent retail boss, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of think I'm going to pay attention to corporate when it doesn't hurt my employees. (laughs) (laughs) It's sort of I think of, of lawful and neutral and chaotic as solid liquid and gas in a way. No, I like that. That idea of rigidity versus a looseness that's impossible to contain. Yeah. With liquid, with neutrality, you can form it, you can shape it into different things that you need it to be at the moment. I love that analogy. Why didn't you bring that up earlier in this series? That's because so good. I only remembered a particular sermon a couple weeks ago. So, okay. you know, give no, me some that's, slack. That's, that's valid, but that's so good. <laughs> the solid liquid gas thing, that that relates the the sermon in in particular is one that one of my former pastors gave where uh he compared uh father son and holy spirit to father would be liquid christ would be solid holy spirit would be gas they're all water it it was like a a good way of explaining the trinity it's all forms of water all right okay yeah so so the the neutrality of i i don't want to say like being in between necessarily but certainly being able to feel both sides and thinking charitably. Yeah, and not being locked into some other worldview. Yeah, yeah. Being able to be sympathetic without necessarily, like, taking both sides equally, you know? Like, I can see how you've been through a lot of suffering that has led you to this place where you're lashing out and hurting people, but you still gotta stop. But you're lashing out and hurting people. (laughs) Cool mode of still murder. <laughs> you know what comes to mind for me is the the doctor or, you know, the doctor who's like really standing by the Hippocratic Oath. Mm. Yeah. So we, we talked about this a little bit before recording. Why don't you dig into this a little bit? I don't have a ton to dig into. I mean, I have like a Wikipedia article on the Hippocratic Oath to dig into, just to be clear. All right. But, you know, that idea of like first do no harm. The idea of a, a Hippocratic, which, by the way, is not actually in the Hippocratic Oath. It's a in, – in those terms, that comes from the 19th century, a particular English surgeon. But there's a very similar phrase in the actual Hippocratic Oath in Greek. But it's the idea of the doctor doing what is best for the patient, not caring what got them into the hospital until, you know, they've treated it. And, you know, working to prevent further harm but not passing judgment on the person for whatever brought them in. Caring about their well-being. And one thing I do like in 2019, and I'm kind of quoting from Wikipedia here, 
The Hippocratic Oath was changed because it's gone through a number of changes over time, kind of depending on who, you know, obviously translations and who's publishing a version of it. The phrase Hippocratic Oath at this point means some oath that kind of is based on that. Hippocrates has been dead for a very long time. Yeah, yes. we have we do actually uh, have a copy of it from like 275 AD. So like we have partial fragments. We have translations in Latin from like the 10th century. We have some versions of it. But the 2019 version, this is published by the World Health Organization. I really like this. Um, you know, I swear to fulfill to the best of my ability and uh, judgment this covenant. I will respect the hard-won scientific gains of those physicians in whose steps I walk and gladly share such knowledge as is mine with those who are to follow. Cool. Yeah. I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required avoiding those twin traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. Mm. All right. I will remember that there is art to medicine as well as science and that warmth, sympathy, and understanding may outweigh the surgeon's knife or the chemist's drug. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. I will not be ashamed to say, I know not, nor will I fail to call in my colleagues when the skills of another are needed for a patient's recovery. I will respect the privacy of my patients, for their problems are not disclosed to me that the world may know. Most especially must I tread with care in matters of life and death. If it is given to me to save a life, all thanks, but it may also be within my power to take a life— this awesome responsibility must be faced with great humbleness and awareness of my own frailty. Above all, I must not play at God. I will remember that I do not treat a fever chart, a cancerous growth, but a sick human being whose illness may affect the person's family and economic stability. My responsibility includes these related problems if I am to care adequately for the sick. I will prevent disease whenever I can, for prevention is preferable to cure. I will protect the environment which sustains us in the knowledge that the continuing health of ourselves and our societies is dependent on a healthy planet. I will remember that I remain a member of society with special obligations to all my fellow human beings, those of sound mind, those sound of mind and body, as well as the infirm. If I do not violate this oath, may I enjoy life and art, respected while I live and remembered with affection thereafter. May I always act so as to preserve the finest traditions of my calling, and may I long experience the joy of healing those who seek my help. So there's a lot in there, but you'll note that it really is all about treat the person, be aware of their position and your position and the fact that we are part of a larger society and larger structures like family and economic system and an entire planet. And I am a person at who lives in society as well as my patient, but fundamentally treat the patient and do what is best for them, even if that doesn't involve doctoring. Yeah, I think that thing is marvelous. I've It's the first time I've heard it, and it's really good. I'd heard it from the Sawbones podcast, which did a, an episode on the Hippocratic Oath, which I'm going to link in the show notes right now. We really need that. That sounds great. I thought that was pretty cool, because that, to me, sums up a lot of what I want out of a neutral good character. Somebody who is putting good ahead of a lot of other things, including themselves. Now, with that edition of the 2019 thing, that actually sort of takes care of a thing that I did want to mention because my understanding of the Hippocratic Oath, as you'd put it here, was the first do no harm thing, which to me is leaning very heavy on the neutral, less on the good. 
And I'd like to bring up a thingy that not a lot of people talk about called the Belmont Report, which is ethical principles for the purposes of medical and psychological study. They play off a little bit from the Hippocratic Oath and bring the personhood to mind constantly. The, the three basic ethical principles of the Belmont Report are, so firstly, respect for persons incorporates at least two ethical convictions. First, individuals should be treated as autonomous agents. And second, persons with diminished autonomy are entitled to protection. The principle of respect for persons thus divides into two separate moral requirements, the requirement to acknowledge autonomy and the requirement to protect those with diminished autonomy. So this is basically like people are people are people. And we have to acknowledge that in our studies. And we must require informed consent at the beginning of experiments. Otherwise, we are doing harm. Secondly, beneficence. Persons are treated in an ethical manner, not only by respecting their decisions and protecting them from harm, but also by making efforts to secure their well-being. Such treatment falls under the principle of beneficence. So two general rules have been formulated as complementary expressions of beneficent actions in this sense. One, do not harm, and two, maximize possible benefits, minimize possible harms. And this part acknowledges that because we are studying things, we do not 100% know that we are not going to harm people, but we're going to do our level best to make sure that any harms that do occur, occur for the purpose of a greater good. We are going to minimize risk as much as we possibly can, there is not going to be zero risk in any study. There, there is the possible that harm may occur. And then thirdly, justice, who ought to receive the benefits of research and bear its burdens. This is a question of justice and the sense of fairness in, in distribution or what is deserved. An injustice occurs when some benefit to which a person is entitled is denied without good reason or when some burden is imposed unduly. So this part is about how we cannot use the poor as sort of stepping stones for the rich. Frequently in the past, poor people were experimented upon so that the rich, specifically the rich, could benefit. This also covers what if we do harm somebody? We must give them a, a just uh, sort of like equal benefit to the harm caused. There must be justice in this research. We cannot experiment for the purpose of harming anybody. We must experiment for the purpose of a, a just cause. I really like those two. This is also really like making me kick myself that I didn't think to um, include the Pelian principles of policing in our lawful good episode oh, because those would have yeah. been perfect in there. <laughs> they, they would have been, but that's okay. Yeah. I have to write a supplemental blog post or something. <laughs> Jenny, I want to go back to something in that set of principles, though. Working towards the greater good. This, I think, is one of those fun things about neutral good characters, because so far we've kind of been talking about them as great people, but maybe a little boring at times, okay? Mm -hmm. But the character who tries to pursue the greater good to such an extreme that they accidentally go over the line and become evil is a very classic archetype. It's a very common anime trope, absolutely. Ozymandias from Watchmen. Yes, absolutely. Like, again, the, the whole, you know, I have this grand plan that I think will be good, and maybe it will be good, but the price is so high that other good people are unwilling to pay it because we think that your calculation is off and you're doing more evil than good. That's a very classic archetype. You're going to get good done in the end, but you're going to do so much evil along the way that you're we're not going to sign off on this. 
you know? Yeah. I mean, cue Death Note. Literally Death Note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Punisher in many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I no, but again, I'm saying starting it's Starting as and transitioning into. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is the Punisher. I think the Punisher was neutral, neutral at best at any given time in I his agree. history. No, I, I agree. But what I'm saying is that same idea of I, this is for the greater good, you know, despite me. Like the, the Punisher is very clearly an antihero. It's fine. But that, that same idea of taking it to such an extreme, starting in a good place, but taking it to such an extreme that they become a villain is a, a classic archetype, and it can start with somebody like this. And I love the idea, and this is something I've always wanted to do in a game, I've just never had a, a great opportunity to pull it off, is start with a character that people genuinely like and who is genuinely like a neutral good character, you know, and it's some sort of NPC who's working on a plan and they just get so wrapped up in it that they become a villain trying to do some greater good. You know, I've always kind of wanted to to pull that, to have that happen in, in a game at some point. I kind of thought that's where you were going with Governor Warwick at various points in the Colony game. No, she, she is very much neutral good, maybe tending a little lawful because she's trying her best. Now, granted, that was probably player suspicion. (laughs) I think it was because, you know, you guys were very suspicious of the governor for very little reason, frankly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, looking back on it, like, there were a few times where she was kind of no-nonsense and stuff, but she never told us to do something just out-and-out bad. No, no. A few harsh things, but then again... Yeah, yeah, but go kill the hag is about as bad as it got, and it's like... The hag was a walking atrocity. <laughs> the hag was horrifying. Yeah. Lambert's angst aside, she was real bad. <laughs> I was I was putting a lot of effort in making sure you didn't feel bad about killing a freaking sea hag. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. Yeah, and because it's of the TV. place I was in my life, you still failed eh, well, no fault of your own. <laughs> there we are. Like, that is the kind of thing you can do. But if they don't go that far character who's going to great lengths to pursue the greater good and calling people to do something harder than what they might want to do otherwise, but which will be better in the long run. It's the kind of thing we do as Christians. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing either. Calling people to live up to higher standards can be a really good character too. That is basically the character of the Bible taken as a whole is live up to these higher standards. Here's these cautionary tales. Here's this exhortation. Here's this advice. Here's this incredibly low bar. (laughs) It's a very low bar, but also, you know, often very high bars. You know, Christ talks about a straight and narrow path. He talks about passing through the eye of a needle, the camel passing through the eye of a needle. He does not, and, and he talks about, you have to give up everything to follow me. He does not suggest that this is going to be Easy, but he never shies suggests that we do anything to shy away from. Yeah, I I don't (laughs) I got to disagree, Jenny. I don't think there's a particularly low bar, especially in the New Testament. Paul set some lofty standards, too. I was thinking mostly the mistakes that people make in the Old Testament. Like it is not a low bar or not a high bar to, you know, basically kidnap this lady and then send her husband to death. That's. 
That's uh, not yeah, a high yeah. bar. I mean, oh, 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 you want to talk about uh, David? Let's talk about Jacob and some of the shenanigans <laughs> he got up to. I mean, yeah. I, but I, I think the message there is not so much this is the bar and, you know, stay above it. It's even when you fall short, God can use you anyway. Listen, if we want to start a separate podcast about Old Testament screw-ups, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could have a longer running time than this one. And yeah, uh, we could do it weekly and still have a, yeah. Okay. Um, Anything else on neutral good? Anything we haven't really touched on? I do like getting back to the scripture real quick. The reason why we selected the passages we did is I think the prophets and Paul's letters in particular do a really good job of spelling out just what goodness looks like. The Sermon on the Mount, too. We didn't quote Jesus in this. That That's, you know, we're talking about the high bar. It's That's right there. But we have uh, read the parable of the sheep and the goats in our scripture so many times that I went looking for other stuff when I was grabbing the scripture. But yeah, like the Sermon on the Mount, Paul's letters and the prophets in particular, it's, you know, that's kind of what the standard is, at least for us Christians. And I, I think probably some of our collective irritation with what we run into on the Internet is that it's like we have a difficult but relatively clear standard of what goodness looks like. And a lot of people don't seem to think that is what you can measure with. And it's just kind of like, we're never going to agree about alignment then. <laughs> like the the whole idea that self-perception matters, even one wit is just foreign to me. Like, <laughs> I think it's because people got st stuck really hard on the Harry Potter sorting hat where you can influence the sorting hat. Maybe what you want. Although, I mean, like edgelords on the Internet claiming that people burning people at the stake are lawful good has been around since before Harry Potter. Yeah, Trust sure. me, I was on the internet before Harry Potter. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I just like scriptures got a really nice, <laughs> difficult, but clear bar in it for what goodness looks like. Yeah, maybe the one thing I want to touch on is that if you're playing a neutral good character, you can absolutely be the sort of person who's just living the moment, trying to do the best thing. But you can also be that sort of guiding light slash frustratingly virtuous obstacle <laughs> player character. Yeah, that was Lambert a lot of the time to the rest of the party. Yeah, but here's the thing. You were a really good foil for the other characters. And you, Lambert specifically really helped pull those characters up out of what could have been a murder-hobo spiral. Yeah. And that's a great thing to have, right? Again, I'm going to go back to that Uncle Iroh example from Avatar. He works because he's there for the other characters to talk to and get re-inspired by. And if you want to play that character and you can do it without being cheesy, absolutely do that. Fun fact, we, I, we were talking about Monster of the Week. For those who don't know, this is a, this is a supernatural simulator, like the show. <laughs> this is basically probably what this a is. supernatural seasons one and two simulator for the most part from the sound of it, right? No, <laughs> no, you <laughs> no, can get right up into season four with that. Yeah, it goes it goes through it. One of the character playbooks is the expert, right? This is the, the character who's dedicated their life to studying the unnatural. And, you know, they're not strong. They're not young. They're smart and they know things. Bobby Singer. Maybe. Yeah, I haven't watched. I've he's, watched the, he's the character from the show that, that fills that archetype. It's cool. Bobby yeah, Singer. Yeah, it's Bobby Singer. I watched like the first episode. Bobby Singer is great. <laughs> Sounds good. One of the moves that the expert has is 
My wife picked this for the game. That's why I happen to know about this. Often right, which is a pretty great move. Okay, just uh, the name of it, often right. When a hunter comes to you for advice about a problem, give them your honest opinion and advice. If they take your advice, they get a plus one ongoing while following your advice and you mark experience. So you get XP, which is a fairly rare resource, if they take your advice. So, you know, try and make it good. And they get a bonus to do what you suggest so that, you know, hey, it turns out you were right and you should have done that. <laughs> That's a really good like that is making that a mechanical thing where you are the character people go to for advice is a really cool idea because that's a big part of a TV show dynamic, right? The advisor character. Hey, what should I do here? Well, you know, try this, right? Giles, you know, as the the foil for Buffy, right? That idea. Heck, even Gandalf. Yeah, exactly. But in an episode in an episodic kind of thing, you you always have that relationship. Uh, Guinan from uh, Star Trek. Absolutely. I like the idea of mechanizing that. And that's exactly the kind of role I would want a neutral good character in. Somebody who looks at the situation and says, Here what I th- here's what I think the best thing is for everyone. Maybe it's not consistent with last week, but that was last week. That's not this situation right now. Yeah, I mean, last week we might have needed to be lawful. This week we need to be chaotic. Eh, it's still good. I think that's a great note to end on because I, I do think... Like Iroh and Guinan and so many of these other characters, these make really nice mentors. And I think putting them in there in that kind of a role is really nice for for a lot of games. It's a, a well-tread trope, but it's one that a lot of people just really like, like and enjoy for good reason. You know, this is a trustworthy person who has your best interests at heart that you can go to. And they will, to the best of their knowledge and the best of their ability, give you the most solid, helpful advice they can and tell you the truth. Who doesn't like that? I agree. Thank you for putting up with this discussion, folks. We we uh, appreciate you listening as we kind of ramble our way through this. But I think we had a, a good conversation about this one, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have your own thoughts on this, we want to hear those. Put them in our Discord, which is a great place to hear conversations when, and talk about these concepts with other listeners or of course tweet them at us post them on our facebook page anything like that we really do pay attention to those we promise and we try and share out any conversations that people have about those and and start conversations about those it's it's fun and of course if you're looking for our social media you can find that on twitter and facebook we are saving the game and our website which has past episodes uh, blog posts from peter and a whole bunch of other stuff that's stgcast.org. You can find links to our Discord there, our social media, and plenty of other stuff. Our store. Turns out we didn't have vinyl stickers for laptops with our show logo on them. Now How? we do. I fixed that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody's like, hey, do we have a laptop? So I was like, yeah, we... Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we will when I remember to push that button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do now. Excellent. That's a thing. So you can find those at stgcast.org. From all of us here at Saving the Game, have a good one. Take it easy. We'll catch you next time. See ya. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. 
To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.